We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, Rotoviz listeners? It's Colin Kelly here, executive producer of Rotoviz Radio and one of the co-hosts of the Rotoviz Overtime Podcast. I just wanted to drop by and say thank you, as always, for listening in to another Rotoviz Radio production. As a loyal podcast listener, you can save yourself 10% off a Rotoviz NFL pass right now at rotoviz.com forward slash podcast or by simply adding the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout. That'll get you access to all of the content and tools on the Rotoviz website, the best tools and content in the business for the best listeners in the business. As always, we do appreciate you listening to each and every show. And if you do have 5, 10, 15 seconds to spare, please drop a rating for today's show on your favorite podcast app. It is much appreciated. With all that said, thank you once again for tuning in. I hope you have a great day. Now let's get back to the show. We're talking Austin Eckler, Ezekiel Elliott, and Joe Mixon on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin alongside Curtis Patrick. We're two of the owners at Rotoviz. Curtis is back from vacation, and I hope that he is rested up because this is where the marathon toward the season begins. Practically feels like we're just about in August. Things are starting to heat up. Are you ready for it, Curtis? Uh, I, I'm not exactly rested, man. I spent uh, spent last week on the lake. It was beautiful, by the way. If you ever get a chance to visit the uh, the mountainous heartland of the Midwest, uh, great state of Tennessee, I went to Norris Lake. Uh, beautiful, beautiful lake. Uh, very pure, very clear waters. Uh, had a great time out on the water, but shared the house with uh, my family, which is my wife and our three kids, and then my wife's uh, two sisters, their husbands, and their combined five kids. So we had eight, eight kids in the house, all age 10 and under. Very, very busy week. Um, very, very noisy week. So I'm definitely glad to get back to uh, the reality uh, of my day-to-day and talk some fantasy football. Um, wouldn't say, but definitely would not say that I'm, I'm recharged, but perhaps our discussion today will uh, put me in that mindset. <laughs> that kind of reminds me of the times where I've had to take vacation days just to get stuff done like for the excuse that nobody can bother me on other stuff. Uh, so I can, I can understand that, but let's just press, let's, let's press along. Let's get you right back into the throes of things. With just a fun hypothetical, 
I don't know if you saw while you were out, but Adam Schefter was floating around some cryptic tweets about Deshaun Watson when he gets back into NFL action being a great fit for the Eagles, which obviously would throw some cold water on our Jalen Hurts love. But just just for fun here, from a fantasy perspective, what would be more fun, Aaron Rodgers to Denver or Deshaun Watson to Philadelphia? Well, first off, I did see that floated out. Um, that actually broke at one of the times when I did have Wi-Fi last week. I'm sitting at the marina, probably three Miami Vices in, really loving life. And then I see Schefter float, you know, basically resurface this non-story. Like this isn't new news. Like the, the Eagles had some interest in Watson. Um, this was a rumor, you know, that, that predated even the NFL draft. Um, I think it's just we're in the boring NFL news cycle before camp hits. And we're just looking for anything to get us through, you know, the next week and a half. And, and the beats, even even the big beats like Schefter, uh, they're looking for content, too. So um, it did annoy me um, that I had to kind of go back through those hypotheticals. And I think uh, to answer this question, Aaron Rodgers to Denver would be much more fun and not necessarily just because of what it would mean for Denver. But I don't want Jalen Hurts season uh, to be killed. I mean, I you know, we've talked about Jalen Hurts a lot on this podcast, uh, huge fans of his ce- potential ceiling in Philadelphia. And I mean, I think he's the he's the man for the job. I'm not sure, you know, why Watson with all of his, you know, red flags, uh, which feels like, you know, perhaps too light of commentary, uh, you know, on him based on everything that's that's going on uh, with this potential scandal. Like, wh- why would you do that um, as a franchise? So, you know, that would be scandalous. Then we got to figure out where to put Jalen Hurts or does he just become a backup running the same system when Deshaun's not able to play? Um, so so Rodgers, I think, unlocking all those really uber talented pass catchers that haven't had um, requisite quarterback talent uh, the past couple seasons that that would be much much more fun um, do you do you agree or do you see this one differently yeah um, my, my thought on this is just that I actually think Aaron Rodgers to Denver would be really fun I love it for the receivers there for Noah Fant uh, you know maybe we could see that offense kind of turn things around you'd have the young running back there as well so i i think it would be a lot of fun to see rogers in denver and then obviously i don't want hurts uh you know to be hurt for no other way to avoid that pun okay well i'm glad to see that we're still in lockstep um even after you know almost two weeks apart um i think the other thing you know just the rogers green bay divorce has felt so imminent uh for so many years now um, that in some ways, you know, that would be it would be kind of be nice to see the Packers have to do, you know, that all again. They kind of mismanaged the Brett Favre situation um, by letting him stick around um, too long. And now it seems like they've been kind of forcing Rodgers to stick around too long. A little bit of a different dynamic with this quarterback relationship. But to see them mishandle their second Hall of Fame quarterback in a row um, would also <laughs> um, just give me a chuckle. Yep. All right. Hey, let's get into a lightning round so we've seen some new young quarterbacks taking over in recent seasons does russell wilson ever finish as a top six quarterback again yeah i think so um it's very difficult uh to repeat up in that upper echelon 
but Russell Wilson's been one of the best at doing it. I mean, his career dates back to 2012. He's been a, a, a fantasy QB one and uh, end, end of season terms um, every season of his career, uh, which is really remarkable. Uh, has played 16 games in every season. And that top six threshold that you mentioned, um, he's actually eclipsed five times uh, in his nine-year career. Uh, he did it in 2014, 2015, and 2017. He was the overall QB1 in total points. And then the last two seasons, 2019 and even 2020, when he fell off, uh, he was a top six QB. Now, what's interesting is basically, well, not basically, it was his most productive fantasy season of his career, and he was just the QB6. So not only we have these young quarterbacks breaking out, um, we have new ceilings being raised uh, or, or, or lifted at this position. And so I think that's going to make it more, even more difficult to get into this range. Um, but when you look at his role uh, from an expected point standpoint as well, the last two seasons, uh, he's had a top 10 expected points role. And in four of the last six seasons, now they bring over the offensive mind from Los Angeles, which I think um, will just make this offense even more explosive. Even if they're running the ball a, a little bit more, I think the passing game won't be as vanilla, won't be a deep shot on the offense anymore. We, we talked about this with Danny Kelly when he came on uh, at length last month. And so I, I think given his age, given the talent there with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett and even um, some new blood in there with Dwayne es- Eskridge, I, I just think it's unlikely that he doesn't you know, eclipse that barrier at least one more time uh, in his career. Are we too low on Ezekiel Elliott? He's RB5 in ADP at various sites, even the FFPC. We have him at running back 13 in our redraft rankings currently for PPR purposes. That is a pretty substantial delta for a player being drafted so high. What do you make of that? Yeah, I think it's too low for I think it's too low for sure. Um, now, to be fair, I don't have my redraft rankings in yet, and so I think I think our uh, our positional rank on on Zeke will will raise uh, when I when I turn mine in. Although it's going to be you know being averaged in you know with the rest of of the group, um, you know. But Zeke said to be in good shape. We've got Dak back in the situation. Um, the team has every incentive to pound him with volume based off of the salary. The offense is overall more explosive. I think people are generally high on Dallas being one of the best offenses in the league. If nothing else, he's got a very high touchdown ceiling. Um, and, you know, I think that alone keeps him in an RB1 territory. And if he does have more of that bell cow role and Tony Pollard doesn't get a bigger slice of the pie this year, um, then, I mean, like Zeke probably has top three upsides still. Um, we're a little down because we've seen his efficiency fall. But, you know, in, in recent pods, we've also talked a little bit about the reasons behind the drop in efficiency. And maybe it's not only that he's becoming a worse player, you know, maybe some of the offensive uh, context uh, around Dak and uh, the other players in, in the offense have um, played into that. And when you look at some of Tony Pollard's individual metrics, he hasn't been quite as exciting um, in some performance elements of performance uh, as, as Zeke was even so. Yeah, I think it's too low, if nothing else, because he's got he's probably got a high volume floor, probably deserves to be at least in that kind of seven to eight range. I think you can make cases against Derrick Henry, you know, when he has one of the greatest outlier seasons of all time um, and, and you know, wasn't even a hands down league winner last year. 
Um, when you look at some roles that we're not as sure about, you know, you, you've talked about Cam Akers and some of the reservations around his potential receiving role. Uh, I see the team's got Antonio Gibson at running back eight. I think Ezekiel Elliott's definitely a safer pick uh, than Antonio Gibson at running back eight. There's a lot of projection involved in Gibson's role, whereas Zeke's role would just be, you know, reprising what he's done in the past. Aaron Jones, you know, sans Aaron Rodgers, what would he do? You know, he's in there at RB9. Najee Harris behind a, a busted uh, Pittsburgh Steelers offensive line that couldn't help James Conner, who'd been productive in the past, uh, do well last season. You know, he's in there at RB10. DeAndre Swift in a in a weird backfield in Detroit at RB11 uh, with an offensive coordinator uh, coming over who, you know, mismanaged Austin Eckler and uh, Joshua Kelly. So, so, I mean, it's just, yeah, I think there's, there's plenty of reasons to, to think that we're low, but it also goes to show that after the elite guys at the very top, it's kind of a big bucket. Um, so I, th- I think our ranking is totally fair, but I also think it's probably a little bit overly pessimistic. Yeah. I, um, as I sit here and, and kind of look through my, my listing and the RV scores that I've assigned, different running backs. I'm feeling like my initial pass on Elliott is probably a little more uh, pessimistic than it needs to be or than makes sense. I wonder how much of that is just because I'm hoping that Tony Pollard is able to get involved and it's giving me a bit of a bias. Uh, But Zach Kruger was here with us last week. He mentioned that uh, he did not feel great about Devonta Smith. Smith is one of the players he highlighted as a guy that he's just staying away from. With an ADP that puts him at wide receiver 39, do you think that's too high, too low, or just right for Smith? Well, I'm curious. I'll pause there for a second. Um, If you're able to recall a bullet point or two that Zach gave me, and Zach uh, has been doing great work for us especially in the best ball space this year. He's been super active drafting best ball on, on many different platforms. And uh, he's, he's actually got um, you know, a, a great show on, on YouTube, uh, on the road of his YouTube channel, which is very live. Uh, if you weren't aware, i um, just started up uh, recently this off season and we're trying to build up that subscriber base. So um, you can actually subscribe to that. Just go to the road of his uh, feed or my Twitter feed. Uh, we tweeted that out um, earlier this week. And, uh, you know, support Zach. Name of the show is Roster Locked. He's had some great guests lately. Uh, our very own Sean Siegel has been on that show. John Daigle of NBC has been on the show. Um, and uh, recently, Hayden Winks of Underdog Football, uh, also Underdog Fantasy, rather, uh, has been on the show. So Zach doing a really great job. I'm just curious, you know, what was the reasoning around his pessimism with Smith at uh, wide receiver 39? And, and I should point out that, you know, I was also on Roster Locked. So, you know that it's one hell of a show. Boom. <laughs> um, <laughs> Tooting our own horns today, yes. Dave. <laughs> um, I, I think that the bullet points really are that you have a situation and some of it's like, I uh, do want to acknowledge that I think he was saying, you know, maybe for like the ADP it's okay. But like the, the main bullet points are there's already question, some question marks about if Smith can translate to the NFL, you know, quickly as a rookie, if it is clear that he takes over enough of the offense in Philadelphia. And then I think that there's also some question marks that you have on if what we saw from Jalen Hurts is going to continue to carry forward. And then if the Eagles offense can kind of right the ship and turn things around. So it was somewhat based on uncertainty around the player and then the situation itself that he finds himself in. Okay. Yeah. And I think that's all fair. 
Um, the counterpoint that I would make is when we're down in this range, I mean, we're talking round eight uh, in best ball drafts. If, if we're looking at FFPC, which is our favorite place uh, to take a look at this stuff, uh, I'm taking a look at the FFPC ADP and exposure report right now at Smith and the guys that are going behind him. You know, if you're going to say that Smith's going too high, you got to make some good cases for the for the players behind him. And, you know, I'll, I'll just quickly run that down. I know this is the lightning round, but, you know, at the same time, uh, we want to give some good guidance. I mean, Tyler Boyd, um, I think it's it's pretty safe to say is that is option three in Cincinnati at best. Uh, LaVisca Chenault, we still have a lot of role, uh, lack of clarity around his role in Jacksonville, total change for the offense. Uh, Antonio Brown, option three for Tampa Bay. Curtis Samuel is one of my highest exposure players. Uh, he's going a full round lower than Devontae Smith. Um, I do like Samuel over Smith, so Zach could win me over uh, with an argument there. You know, I think Samuel will be the number two weapon uh, in Washington, and we're a little bit more sure of Ryan Fitzpatrick's ability to prop up wide receivers. And we also saw Samuel deliver uh, wide, or two, wide receiver two season already uh, in his career. But then you get you know Mike Williams with all the injury history problems, Michael Gallup, option three in his offense, Will Fuller with the suspension for a game, and Tua Tagovailoa at quarterback. I'm just, I just don't know where you're going instead. I mean, we're in, we're in an area of the draft where – there are questions about all of these players and what you can say about Devontae Smith that you can't say about any of those players uh, that I mentioned after his name is that he's actually the favorite to lead the team in the targets just based off of what the team has invested in him. Uh, and, and, you know, if he does hit that same type of upside that we saw at Alabama, um, he'll vastly outperform his ADP. And those are the types of picks we're trying to make in this range. So while I share some of the reservations around um, you know, how it could go bad for Devonta Smith. I just think there's a better case for his upside than pretty much any player after him. Well, I, I love the diplomacy in that response. Um, I gave my opinion on that last week. Um, so let's, let's continue with this lightning round here. Uh, let's, let's do this hypothetical in all of your 2021 drafts. You will only have access to players on one of these three rosters which team do you choose the Eagles, the dolphins or the giants? So whichever team you pick, that means that in all of your drafts, the other two teams player pools will not be available to you. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Man, that is, that's a brutal question. Um, I think the Giants are the easy fate of the group because after Saquon, I'm not super excited about anyone. I think there's a point where Kenny Galladay becomes a value. There's a point where Evan Ingram becomes a value. 
I don't have a lot of interest in Daniel Jones or any of the other, you know, peripheral targets. Uh, I would be fine fading the Giants because I don't think you're going to guarantee me a top five draft spot in all the remaining drafts that I'll do this year. So it comes down to the Eagles and the Dolphins and what I think those offenses are capable of. I just think an Eagles offensive explosion um, would win more leagues than the Dolphins offensive explosion. Um, Jalen Hurts is a potential league winner. We just talked about the case for Devontae Smith. Uh, If Miles Sanders does hold off any of the supporting cast members, including Kenneth Gainwell and Kerryon Johnson in that backfield, Boston Scott, then Miles Sanders could be, you know, a surprise competitor for, you know, low end RB1 spot. And then, you know, Jalen Rager moving inside to the slot, potentially Dallas Goddard. I just think there's so many different players that could pop in that offense. Um, And, you know, with the Dolphins, uh, I just have, I think I have more questions about Tua than Hurts. I mean, at the top of the podcast, we talked about what happens if Deshaun Watson ends up in Philly, but short of something like that happening, I think Hurts, Hurts alone is the reason I would want access to the to the Philly offense. I just think of any of the players on any of those other teams, you know, he could be one of the keys to this season. So that, that's my answer. Uh, do, do you want to make a case for the Dolphins or the Giants, or do we see it the same way? Uh, you know, I actually was kind of hoping you're right. This is brutal. I guess I hadn't even really thought about if I was forced to make a case, but I think that I could make a case for the Giants with the fact that a, the ability of Saquon to be in my arsenal allows me to kind of execute on that modified or elite zero RB, however you want to term it. Um, I can see a scenario where Galladay, like you said, becomes a value. And then maybe I, I, I test things out with one of the other receivers there. And, uh, you know, like Evan Ingram, like I can see myself taking those guys all much later. Not that I love the Giants offense, but I think that there's going to be some discounts you can get there. If I look at the Dolphins, as much as I love Jalen Waddle, I like Will Fuller. I'm not sure that I feel that great about taking them, at least where I've seen them go. I do like getting Miles Gaskin as my like discount quarterback, but I don't feel super great about Tua this year. And Gesicki, there's other tight ends that I prefer going in the range where he is. So if I was forced to choose, I would go with the Giants. Uh, but I do think that the biggest... Uh, factor for me in making the decision came down to which player would I be most excited about getting and I think that you're right that it's hurts for all the reasons that we've talked about the funny thing Curtis is how big of a storyline for us the fate of the Eagles is (laughs) in 2021 we've talked about it a lot we've had guests talking up an offensive explosion coming from the Eagles I'm not really sure if I'm expecting this team to make a huge step forward but as we've said I feel good about Hurts I'm super interested what happens with these receivers and Miles Sanders uh so that is an interesting storyline for us to follow final question in the lightning round because I really do oh unless unless necessary you can chime in there no, no, it's it's not worth it. It's just not worth it. Let's keep moving. It's a lightning round, but, you know, it's like heat lightning in the summer. I mean, it's just lasting right. forever. So because uh, <laughs> I want to make sure that we get in this price check. OK, some people feel like Joe Mixon is in line for massive workload and that he's closer to an elite fantasy option for the coming season than a likely bust. Let's say that you have to pick that he is going to be a bust or he's going to be elite at RB 17. What do you say he will be? Well, assuming that we get health, um, I would I would rather say that he'll be elite. 
than a bust because I I do believe in the Cincinnati offense. I think Joe Burrow showed showed enough as a rookie. Um, we've heard plenty about T Higgins taking a step this off season. Um, they've now got Jamar Chase. Uh, they they get some help back at offensive line um, just by people being healthy. Uh, and I don't think the defense is good enough to keep the team out of shootouts. Um, I just I, I do think that. I do think that Joe Mixon is a very interesting second round pick. And if you want to, if you want to roll the dice a little bit, um, you know, especially more in like a a tournament um, going one elite RB with Mixon in the second, like, let's say if you could start like Kelsey Mixon or something like that, that's just a really interesting team build that if it hits unlocks a lot of uh, options for you could even start, you know, Tyreek or, or Diggs followed by Mixon. Um, you could even, you know, potentially make, uh, you could even potentially make Mixon part of a, maybe a, a too early RB build where you just really don't even come back to the position, um, which isn't as a popular amongst our team here, but every draft's a little different and you can't really, you know, project what's going to happen. If you, sl- you know, if you go early, say with a Saquon, at 104, 105, or a Jonathan Taylor in that range, as Sean Siegel's been saying, we we should be considering doing. And then Mixon falls all the way to that late second. That's going to be pretty tempting, man. Um, even for somebody like me that's not a huge Mixon fan, because I do see that elite upside there. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Uh, do you go the bust route or do you go the elite route? No, I, I go the elite route. If I have to choose between the two, I think it's more likely that he, you know, goes the elite route than becoming a bust. Wrong sound effect. That's just becoming like a Sorry, regular man. thing. We'll get, we'll get it down by 2022. We'll get it down by 2022. It's okay. <laughs> All right. Austin Eckler turned 26 in May. He's played four NFL seasons at this point. Will become an unrestricted free agent in 2024. We know that he had a very good 2019, finished as the RB6 in PPR per game while filling in for Melvin Gordon. Last year, finished at 13 in PPR per game. Had over uh, over 50 targets in just 10 games. Two receiving touchdowns. He's going to be a threat as a receiver. If you look back to 2019, had eight receiving touchdowns. That's some of the profile on the player from a dynasty perspective, Curtis, how should we be considering Austin Eckler right now and what his value might look like? I can see people being excited about the coming year or two, but also having concerns is the fact that this guy is already 26. We know there's a short shelf life. Uh, You know, maybe they have concerns too, that Eckler just isn't the type of player that is going to be able to keep things going for a long time. Yeah, I'm pretty aggressive on how I would value him just because I think uh, I have a lot of belief in in Justin Herbert and then, you know, Joe Lombardi coming over to run this offense who has really been one of the keys to Alvin Kamara's ascension uh, to fantasy stardom, really fantasy royalty um, after, you know, what he did last year. And, uh, you know, just 80 receptions every season for the guy. You know, I think that the Chargers now are on a path where, where they could become uh, a high-powered offense, as we saw in New Orleans. And Eckler has that skill set to where he could hang around a little bit more. I don't know if we see, you know, Camara like uh, production from him. But when you look at other running backs that are 
in this age range. You know, Ezekiel Elliott, 26, but certainly a different type of back, not as uh, reliant on receiving. He's a little bit more reliant on volume and touchdowns. Um, you look at Derrick Henry, a year older at age 27, but I think, you know, the the, the dynasty populace would probably rank Derrick Henry above Austin Eckler uh, for the most part right now. And I think from a pure market value standpoint, that could make some sense. But I'm not sure from a roster management standpoint, that does make a lot of sense. Like if you if you own Derrick Henry, moving him for Eckler Plus probably makes a little bit more sense in terms of sustaining uh, the production of your roster, um, guarding against a steep and uh, sudden decline um, based off of the types of players that they are. Um, and, you know, getting a couple, a couple more years, um, from a receiving back, it just feels like such a safer bet than a back that touches the ball, you know, 400 times a year between the tackles, um, other backs that are kind of in, you know, that, that age range. I mean, Nick Chubb, same age as Austin Eckler, and he's got cream hunt to deal with. Uh, and I think many people would value Nick Chubb above Austin Eckler. Aaron Jones is a year older. So a lot of these guys that are kind of in that range, same age, you know, they they don't have as secure of a role. They certainly don't have Joe Lombardi, uh, who has a history of, you know, propping up this type of back. And it, it's not like we're projecting that, oh, because a coach is there, Eckler will be an effective receiver. He's already shown that he's an elite receiver uh, and has and won, won some leagues uh, for, for people, you know, a couple years ago. And, uh, you know, I think Lombardi coming there really just serves to uh, prop up an existing skill set that we know is there. So, you know, I think Eckler is certainly worth more than a first, a future first round rookie. I mean, I think if I owned him, it would take two first to prime away. Um, that's how I've got him ranked. You know, if, if you haven't checked out our dynasty rankings recently on the site, it's been a couple episodes since Dave and I reviewed this. Um, but our, our new way of ranking players is assigning future rookie draft pick capital to them. Because um, that seems to be the most agreed upon currency uh universal currency it's the it's the bitcoin of, of <laughs> dynasty uh market values and so you know i think you know austin eckler two future first that's what it would take to prime away i don't know if i could bring myself to quite pay that but i i think i would certainly pay a first and a pair of seconds um you know on the right team so that yeah that's that's where i've got him man and, and i th- i just think that this year I'm way more confident in his ability to to drive my team to the playoffs and then not just die next year. Like I feel way better about 2022 for Austin Eckler than I would for for like Derrick Henry uh, per se. So uh, do you well, I haven't checked your uh, your value on Eckler. I mean, you got two firsts on him, like let's say in a super flex dynasty league with tight end premium. You think two firsts is too steep for him? Well, the actual value that I assigned him came in closer to like a first and a second, but I could see for people that feel good about him, a a second being in the realm of what I view as reasonable. Um, I do like Eckler and my take on him is that I imagine that there's people that are going to look at him and say, this is a 200 pound running back. I'm concerned about his health. I'm concerned about him holding up to which I would say, Big deal, right? <laughs> like at this point, the guy's 26. Uh, I'm only in my mind expecting I'm going to be happy if I get two more seasons out of him. That's the window in which you have to contextualize a running back like this, I think. Um, 
So if there's a player that's in a situation where there's no in like imminent threats to his workload, there's a coaching staff that looks like it's going to work for him and he's going to be used in a way that we've seen him be successful with. I am perfectly on board with placing a, you know, a fairly sizable value on that. So though for me, he might come in a little lower than the two first, like I still feel pretty good about Eckler. And I think that if you are concerned about him for those reasons that I just mentioned, I would take a step back if I were you and really think about if that makes sense in this case, because like you mentioned, other running backs in that same age range uh, being valued similarly, I think that there's, though their concerns are different, um, they actually might be more worrisome when you actually think about it in their case. Uh, you know, so again, like a lot of this valuation comes down to me viewing most running backs through a two-year lens anyway, and I feel decent about his two-year view at the current point in time. Yeah, I love that you ended your uh, that you ended your, your your kind of speech there with that statement because I think looking beyond two years for any running back is really kind of silly. I mean, think two years ago what you could have traded Sa- Saquon Barkley for, you know, after his rookie season, and then versus what he's worth now um, at age twenty four, you know, coming off of an ACL, you know, no one is guaranteed the career that that you think their trajectory might be on even McCaffrey missing the whole season from him. Um, you know, now all of a sudden he's, he's a 25 year old player with a major injury on his resume. And, you know, it just, it just gets away from us, um, so quickly at the running back position. Um, whereas, you know, they're basically, they're entering, um, the, the prime of the prime of their life. They're entering, you know, the twilight of their (laughs) careers and, you know, really as wide, wide receivers aren't even at their peak yet. Um, and so it's just, it's just, that just speaks to the nature of the position. Um, you know, same thing, you know, with a player like, like Ezekiel Elliott, think about how elite he was viewed two years ago. And now all of a sudden, um, we're debating whether why running back 13 in a given season is fair when really not much has changed other than, uh, some of the surrounding cast and, in in the offense. So yeah, nothing is promised at this position. Um, but Eckler certainly has a skill set to thrive in this offense. And uh, there's not a lot of uh, there's not really not a lot of worthy competition uh, for backfield touches there uh, in L.A. So uh, pretty, pretty high. I think he's one of the other players that I'm excited about at that position in round two in fantasy drafts this season from a redraft perspective. And you do have to allow redraft treatment of players to impact how you handle them in Dynasty, uh, because at the end of the day, you know, dynasty, we're trying to accrue titles over time. And, you know, we get to manage that roster into perpetuity, which is what makes it fun. It's, you know, it's a, a living, breathing, organic thing that we take care of and curate. And, you know, we want it to be successful. But every season is a season unto itself. And you're trying to win this year. And so you're, you're trying to win this year and also do it with players who will have a value of zero next year. And, you know, I don't think that's the case with Eckler. So I think he's certainly worthy of investing in. And, you know, there are plenty of players you could move for him and still get a little something back and uh, leave your roster in a pretty good spot. So I'm going to stop short of saying that he's a trade target at that price. He would certainly be a player I'd be willing to flip players like Derrick Henry, like 
Ezekiel Elliott, like Nick Chubb, like Aaron Jones, all of those backs that are kind of that same age corridor. If you can move those backs for Eckler plus really uh, anything material, you know, round two or greater, I, I think those are things that might look a little off in dynasty value right now, but in like three months, you could really be thanking me. Um, so, so that's probably where I'll sum up uh, maybe the actionable steps for the the listeners here. That gave me a couple of like key dynasty thoughts that uh, were triggered in my mind. But I know that uh, on Wednesday, we have a couple of dynasty questions for you lined up. So I might uh, ask you to elaborate on those a little bit. Then we should close things down before we do. I implore listeners out there to call in to 978-615-9214. Season's almost here. There have to be questions that you have. I want to give away a t-shirt. We had some messages come in a while ago. We're able to do a fun episode. We've had some more come in, but I've been gathering things up because I want to have a week where we can do a lot of listener questions. So please, if you enjoy the show, not only should you rate, review, and subscribe, also leave us a message at 978-615-9214. That will do it for today's episode, and we will see you on Wednesday. Thanks for listening to the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at DaveKabenFF and at CPatrickNFL. Email us at rotovizffshow at gmail.com. Visit rotoviz.com forward slash podcast for more information on listener-only discounts. And until next time, thanks for stopping by.